Coming up on Influencing Entrepreneurs. I was uh, sentenced to my time at Eglin Federal Prison Camp, and I was on a hard labor crew, Pappy's Ditch Bitches. So I was weed whacking with jitterbug fat silk and snake and me. And <laughs> I, got, I got to ask, do, do you have a, uh, a prison name or? You know, I was pretty much just Jeff. This season of Influencing Entrepreneurs is brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization of Charlotte and Spherical Media. After years of teaching entrepreneurship and consulting business owners, I realized that true knowledge comes from the wins and losses of those entrepreneurs. These are the stories of those business leaders. I'm Kazma Ward, and this is Influencing Entrepreneurs. You are sentenced to 13 months, no restitution. So, you, you know, they're, they're claiming some sort of conspiracy but they're not asking for any monetary fine. No. You take a deal to take, do 13 months rather than right. the charge. I did, just to set the record straight, I had to pay a fine. A fine. On that $82,000, they had triple damages, so I paid a $240 fine. Oh. $240,000 fine. Wow, okay. Which wasn't that material to me at the point in time. And that's you're living well at that point, but now you're getting ready to head into prison. For 13 right, months. Right. What is that first day like? I had no idea what to expect. And um, you know, I didn't even, I never had any friends who went to prison. I didn't know anyone that went to prison. You got no context, just what we've seen on TV at that point. Right, right. So uh, I was uh, sentenced to my time at Eglin Federal Prison Camp. That was an Air Force base in Destin, Florida. Uh, Paula and some good friends drove me. I self-reported. Uh, Ruth Chris, who I was working for, I was then the interim president and chief operating officer, but uh, they, I worked till about two days before I had to report to prison. Were they understanding about this? Did oh they, yeah. They, oh, they were, they were, they did their own investigation okay. and felt, you know, I got a really bad deal. They okay. were very supportive during the whole time. Paula, you know, drove me there. I dropped me off at the front of the Air Force Base and you know, like that, my life changed. I was in the media a lot, so the the, the guards knew I was coming, and uh, I was I was shocked because you know my, mostly Hispanic and African American uh, drug drug dealers in a federal prison. I was in a camp, which meant you weren't in a cell; you were in a cubicle, a seven by seven, forty nine square feet, two men to a cube, and I was on a hard labor crew, Pappy's ditch bitches. So I was weed whacking with jitterbug, fat, silk, and snake, and me. Uh, uh, a prison name, or you know, I was pretty much just Jeff. Just Jeff. You yeah. look like a Jeff. Yeah, so, I, I was yeah. that very. I was older than yeah. most of the guys there. It was uh, maybe ten percent white collar guys, mm -hmm. but for the most part, um, when Lynn Bias overdosed mm -hmm. on crack, that kind of flooded the system with uh, people selling crack and they got incredibly harsh sentences. Mm -hmm. They'd work their way down from a high to, in the last seven years of their sentence, to a camp. So the typical person I met there was uh, someone involved in selling drugs. Right. And a lot of, in a lot of cases, crack. I'm imagining that completely changes your concept of whether it's the prison system, the criminal justice system. I think uh, the whole notion of the Disparity in sentences between cocaine and crack was incredibly racist. And you saw these 
uh, young African-American guys and Hispanics uh, with incredibly harsh sentences. You know, 25 years is not a joke. Right. With good time, they got it down to 22 and a half years. So. And they didn't have DNO insurance. They didn't have no. their no. current employer doing an additional background no. check or anything no. to minimize any of that. So how do you fit in to, to this community? Well, you know, the very first day, a black drug dealer, I assume, asked me to go to church with him because I reported December 30th. So there was a New Year's Eve service the next day. Mm -hmm. He's a very nice guy and it was more of a Pentecostal worship service. And um, he gave me some tennis shoes. You know, he was, he was nice to me. When, you, when everyone's in prison khaki, it breaks down a lot of barriers. Yeah. The language is much fouler right. than um, the MF word is used pretty much yeah. all the time. Okay. So, <laughs> as, as a so, verb, a noun, an adjective. Pretty much yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, there's a lot of heartache, you know, these incredibly harsh sentences. I, I was blessed. You know, I didn't have restitution. I right. kept, I had financial resources so Paula could send me money. She visited uh, twice a month. Uh, once a month with the kids, uh, which I'm sure so that was hard. For, for yeah, all. that's an emotional thing. Yeah. But but at least I had visits. I mean, a right. lot of people there, their their moms after 20 years, you know, you're you're not on the radar screen anymore. So I have a sensitivity to 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 that, and um, I I care about prison reform. You have a wonderful to this day relationship with your wife. It puts strain on it. You know, I, I think uh, Paula and I. Uh, I've never dated another person. Well, I shouldn't say that. I, since since uh, the very first day of college, mm -hmm. that was in uh, 1975. Paula and I got married our senior year in 1978, and um, so you know I, she didn't sign up for the financial success we had, and then and then the fall from grace. And but um, Paula was right there with me. So one of the life lessons mm -hmm. is we maybe when we wrap up is marrying well is a good thing. And you definitely married. Well. I married very well. She's very supportive. Stood by me the entire time. So you spend 13 months to the day, 306 days. I got there. There's some politics to the judge gave me 13 months. So the the good time credit would actually knock it down to Three hundred and six. So about days. ten months. Yeah, ten months. Ten, ten months. months. I got to imagine coming out ten months later. Day one might be almost as scary as going into. Prison. I went to a halfway house in the ninth ward. Okay. Of uh, in New Orleans there, and um, that was pretty rough neighborhood. The ninth <laughs> ward. So so I spent two weeks in the halfway house. Ruth's Chris hired me back as a prep cook. Okay. I left as president. Came back as a prep cook. It really, at this point, you've probably had so many awakenings. You're probably also grateful to be able to go in as prep cook. Yes, yes. And, and so let me let me explain that. Um, while I was locked up, the board of directors met and they decided to award um, my wife the franchise rights to Ruth's Chris, which they hadn't done to anyone. There had never been a franchise. Well, there, there, but it had been a long period of time. Okay. It was probably 15 years between when the last person was awarded a franchise and then they gave it to Paula. So uh, that was pretty nice. Right. My job at Ruth's was to position the company to go, to go public. Uh, when I got the felony conviction, I couldn't do that. The company wanted to stand by me. So the chairman, I think, orchestrated a franchise to, for Paula and me in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
how is it building, starting to build that franchise? Well, I was, you know, a good financial person, decent executive, but uh, restaurateur. I knew the numbers, but, did, you know, I didn't really, wasn't a great cook or anything. Right. So I, well, you were a prep cook, so you had so some experience. I, right. I had some, I had some prep cook and I had on the cook line, and but I was able to hire good people around me. And, um, you know, we, we took over a restaurant in South Park that was formerly Gaetano's, converted it to Ruth's Chris, opened, and, and uh, of course, there's trials anytime you open a, a business, but um, got that open, the restaurant became very successful. And uh, they gave us the, the rights to two franchises, and we had an opportunity to buy the land at Third and Tryon. So we we purchased that land and built a ground up Ruth's Chris at Third and Tryon. You went from not even being a, a restaurateur to then also starting your own restaurant and your own brand, right. Napa on Providence. Right. They grew our Ruth's brands to to four four units, and I had some incredible partners along the way that stood by me. I, I mean, they recognized the value of a Ruth's Chris franchise. And while Paula and I had a decent amount of money, we really needed some strong financial partners because mm -hmm. um, these, the Uptown project was $7 million. The Savannah project was $7 million, which we borrowed 100% of the money for that. But the first restaurant opened in 2005. Uh, the fourth Ruth's Chris opened in 2010. Recession had occurred, the Great Recession, 2008, 2009. Paula was, we've got to diversify, Jeff. Right. We can't keep doing these upscale steakhouses. Providence Cafe came to our attention over there by Queens College. And um, we we really liked Napa Valley and kind of the food and that experience. So we came up with this Napa on Providence concept. And um, that that restaurant opened in December of 2012 became very successful, which um, we opened another Napa uh, three years ago in Fort Mill called Napa Kingsley. The, the plan is to continue to develop this. We'd like to create a brand that's been very, the two restaurants have done well financially, and we think we've got something unique. So uh, we're, we're working on more Napas right now. We also are partners in the Pump House in Rock Hill, and then Recently, the drift will be opening in a. Few and this weeks. is uh, uh, drift. From everything I've heard, is uh, extremely impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very big project. Paula and I are the operating partners, mm -hmm. and we get a, a management fee. Our company does for overseeing things. We're definitely the minority partners, but uh, three good friends and individuals I trust implicitly asked us uh, in this deal. Mm -hmm. Basically, the guys from the pump house that I'm in business right. with. And, and um, you know, you'll be reading a lot about the drift here in the next few weeks. Now, when you were in the uh, public accounting, in the, in the rent to own business, probably didn't see those connecting, didn't see that leading to, um, to restaurateur. Does it stop at rent restaurateur or is there another industry? <laughs> I think, you know, I'm, I'm 64 now and I love the, uh, I like the high end mm -hmm. side of the restaurant business, I think. Um, hospitality suits me well, and I, I like, and we provide exceptional experiences and, and there's an art side to it with beautiful food and cocktails and wine. And so that, that's my niche. I like that. Okay. So you found your space, you, you, you've come through everything. Is there something 
of that stigma of, of being a convicted felon that sits with you to this day? Or is there anything uh, moving past that? I owned it. Okay. So whenever I would go into a meeting with a banker or a potential partner, I would open up and say, you know, you, you should know I'm a convicted felon. Some people say that's leading with your chin and, right. and, but, um, so for anybody that has something in their past that they don't want to surprise anyone with, I, I was very open about that. A year and a half ago, um, I was blessed with a presidential pardon from Donald Trump came out of nowhere. And it, it certainly was a wonderful feeling. Um, he only gave, I believe, around 70 pardons. Is this something you worked towards or is it just something uh, that- One of my partners in uh, Asheville mentioned that it might be a possibility about a month before the inauguration. So I filled out the paperwork and um, forwarded it uh, to, to John. And then when the riots occurred, if you remember about two weeks before the inauguration, there were terrible riots in the Capitol. And I, I prayed about it, but I I really didn't have any expectation. My life's fine, and with or without the pardon. But you were doing it more for a cleansing or a peace of mind. Yeah, it's not a it's a it's a nice thing to right. have a pardon, you know, and I can I can own a gun. Right. I could travel to Canada. And I wrote a nice letter to President Trump and asked him to join me for dinner with his wife, but uh I haven't heard anything back yet. What without the 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 term convicted felon brandished over now kind of uh, exonerated. I don't know if that's the right right term, but um, that convicted felon status had you learn a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. What was one of the biggest takeaways that you said? Now that I know what I know, I I want to take that forward and, and and do good with it. When I speak to people i i, I kind of break it into there's a spiritual component there's a there's a business component you know things i could have done better in business things that i've done right in business now to enable all the success that we've had you know i, I try not to judge people now okay i learned that having a, a great partners being properly capitalized uh managing growth um uh, you know uh being disciplined spiritually Okay, uh, not trying to be self-sufficient, uh, trusting in the Lord. There's a there's a lot of things that go into uh, my my story and how it's ended. So um, all those are important things that merit discussion. And with that, where does that take where you and your wife are together after you've been through hell and high water? <laughs> well, the kids have turned out great. Okay, and um, and Paula and I have. Uh, you know, we're married almost 44 years now. That's so, so, um, and you know, we're, we're thinking about how, how does this all end? And, um, she's a little more inclined to retire. I'm, I'm focused on more on growing the Napa brand, but, uh, it's a great, it's a great marriage partnership. And I'm, I'm blessed in that way. Is there, now that you've rebuilt, your career, is there any knowledge you take from being back in the position of line cook that gives you better foresight in how you manage your companies? Number one, I know a lot of people that are incarcerated are good people. You know, for they, they made a poor choice, maybe they got a bad deal. So uh, in our company, they call them Conway's convicts, but you'll, you'll see a, um, people that I, I don't judge, you know, till I really get to know the man or woman. 
I also think that trying to do things on our own strength, uh, I think a lot of this happened to me because I tended to be a self-sufficient person. So I've learned not to rely on my own strength. You know, I, and I pray a lot for discernment. We all have to make very hard decisions in business and life as leaders. And, and uh, so prayer for discernment's uh, important to me. Do you still keep in touch with, was it the, the ditch bitches? <laughs> yeah. So I have several uh, <laughs> friends that I've stayed in touch with over the years that, um, you know, I was incarcerated with. And I have uh, many friends now that we've hired uh, over the last 15 years or so that uh, have, they've been incarcerated. They're good friends. You know, I like them. Well, well, to hear that you were able to take those hard life lessons, look at it, look back at it introspectively, and also still serve those that were in your life says a whole lot about you as a person. If I can add one thing, I got a lot of unconditional love. I mean, a lot of people thought I got a really bad deal, uh, but those relationships I had, uh, whether it was high school, college, professional, business, um, it's really important to build good relationships and family uh, that were there for you when the times get tough because you need you need those people in your lives. So a lot of my success or comeback story is due to many others that stepped up for me. Well, I'm grateful to have had this experience and, you know, friendship with you and you sharing your story. So thank you so much for being here. Okay. My pleasure. Influencing Entrepreneurs is brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization of Charlotte and Spherical Media. Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Education or visit casmoward.com to catch up on previous episodes.